peace what's good it's your boy jacoby ryan man thank y'all for tuning in once again to another episode of the more i know the more i don't podcast this is now week six in episode six uh this episode is called hated um so of course for those who who aren't uh who haven't been following along who aren't caught up um who are just new uh thank y'all for being here thank y'all for the ones who have been down um but usually how this podcast goes the format is really i talk about a couple of concepts that relate loosely to the song um and then i also go in directly to the song as far as what i was talking about in the song at the end of the podcast so uh this week is a little different um this song i want to unpack a lot more i want to clarify a little bit on it so i'm gonna do the whole podcast on what i've talked about in this last week's song called hate it so uh without further ado of course uh be sure to connect on my mailing list if you haven't already um go to jacobyryan.com uh, you can do it there message me on any of the website like on uh, social media sites and i'll shoot you the direct link um if you, if if we're connected and you connect to the purpose and the vision and the intention of what i'm doing um please subscribe to that so that we can uh better build our relationship and i can better send you um updates so you don't have to continue to be looking at all these different um pages and sites to get updated i can send it directly to you i know you got a busy life so uh, without further ado let's go ahead and get started man I mix with black and white, I wish that didn't matter. So in this song, uh, what I wanted to do was basically express who I am and how I've grown up as a mixed race kid in the American Christian Baptist Church. Um, I got a white mom, I got a black dad. Um, and what this song is, is really me uh, expressing how I feel about that, expressing the realizations I've had within that reality, and also expressing the frustrations I had within that reality after I realized some of these things. And um, a little bit of productively using that as a solution. Like I said, I don't really know what that looks like 100% yet. I don't think, well, I, speaking for me, I don't know what that looks like. Um, so I'm still trying to realize that. And this is this song is really like starting the conversation because I'll be addressing things like this quite a bit. But this is just starting the conversation of it because I always come back to it. I mean, it's my life, you know. Um, so in the first verse, uh, I wanted to talk to white people. Second verse, talking to black people. And third verse, talking to really like anybody who like subscribes to the idea of Christian church in America. Um, and this is just my opinion. This is just how I see things based on my research, based on my experience. So uh, to to start with, like I don't, I usually don't talk about this stuff to anybody really, just because unless they ask or they like want to have the conversation, and I can tell that we can have a responsible conversation about it because most people just are willfully ignorant. Most people just are emotional and don't want to really look at logic um, and, and don't want to look at stuff that's going to make them uncomfortable and make them wrong. So, and I understand that it's human, so I just let it leave it alone. Um, but now with this podcast, this is one reason why I started it, just so that I can address what I want to address without having to get into discourse with people who want to troll or want to um, um, protect their comfortability and their narrative, you know, um, and me, me myself too. Like, so I don't, I don't do that myself because I'm victim. I'm a, I'm a victim of that same thing at times. So, uh, getting started, uh, the first verse, of course, to talk to the to the white people. You know what I'm saying, and the reason why I decided to do that was because I'm a big, big believer in like the root causes of things. You know what I'm saying, and we look at mad things that the 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 black community endures now as far as poverty um uh, not having fathers around um single mothers who, who aren't around to take care of their their children because they work so much or because they're strung out um 
we have kids who grow up in in in, in, in neighborhoods that have violence violent in them violence in them all these things are symptoms of a bigger issue you know um all these things are because of the traumas that have, we've been put through which have been systemically politically and and consciously done by white people so uh i wanted to address that first and, and make sure i prioritize that first because that's what has to change in order for the, everything else to change because there's an underlying reason um and also before anything i want to preface to like I don't understand the concept and the idea of people who think like when I call out this, the white supremacist systemic racism, it's against us as black people in America. A lot of people, black people too, come and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want to do. You can change. And like, I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's nobody saying that's not true. People have, to me, in my opinion, people have to understand that it's not mutually exclusive to want to fight the systemic the systemic bullshit that's, that's up against you the systemic policies the systemic agendas that are that have consciously been put in place to to keep you down and to really um make it harder for you while also controlling what you can control and understanding that you can do whatever the fuck you want to do regardless of that bullshit like those two can exist at the same time it's not mutually exclusive um so i, I want to preface it with that um um so first, uh, the first verse, talking to the white folks. Um, and basically, um, I just want to kind of go through it as quick as possible and be as efficient as possible. So, like, the root causes of all this, the reason why I wanted to talk to white people first, you know what I'm saying, to address the root causes before anything else. And I, and I believe the root causes uh, can be looked at as a few things. Um, I missed out a lot, you know what I'm saying? But these are the main things that I've looked at and I've researched and I've been made aware of in the past few years. And understand there's a lot that I don't know, you know what I'm saying? But from what I do know, uh, you look at the 400 years that people were enslaved for, you know what I'm saying? Imagine all the wealth that was created for white people, for America, period. America has the best economy because of slavery no other reason that's why we have the best economy because we had 400 years where we're making straight profit we're not paying for any overhead other than having to ship it with these white companies that were shipping the cotton that they were shipping the cotton that black people pick for free so understand it was four years of straight prosperity that allowed us to have this economy you know what i'm saying so let's not let that get lost on ourselves that is why america is what it is so imagine all the wealth that was built off of that that now continues today. All the people who had who were able to own their homes, all the people who were able to send their kids to better schools because they're on their homes. Mind you, all these white people, uh, when they get to go to school, better schools because they own their homes, they're in better neighborhoods. Now they get to go to better colleges because now they're in, 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 a, in a better network. You know, now they get they graduate college, they get better jobs. Now they have kids, their kids live in better homes. And this cycle continues since slavery whereas we did 400 years of unpaid labor 400 years of unpaid labor look at it like that where you got a job for 400 years that you never got paid for imagine the trauma that comes with that imagine the anger that comes with that imagine the confusion that comes with that with somebody telling you oh we're sorry for doing this but we're not paying you for none of that shit it doesn't make sense it, it makes zero sense so i pose the question 
what has, of course, when you make an apology for something, you say, hey, I'm sorry, I want to make up for it. What has America done to make up for the 400 years of unpaid slavery other than give us the rights that we already deserve as a human being in the first place? What has been done? What reiterates that they really are ashamed of it? They knew it was a mistake. What re reiterates that? Tell me that. If somebody can answer that to me, then, then I, I, I'll shut up. You know what I'm saying? But nothing's been done to rectify that. So, of course, I'm not going to believe that you really don't care, especially when you're enacting the same policies in different ways to this day. To this day. <laughs> to this day. Uh, but so that's, that's, that's the generational wealth thing where a lot of people today benefit from that. America itself benefits from that today. And black people are still at the bottom of the totem pole. And we've done all this work for nothing. That's an issue. Whether you call it reparations, whatever you want to call it, something has to be done for 400 years of unpaid labor. I don't care how long it's been. Um, and then also looking at redlining. So people look at these ghettos and these uh, hoods. And like I, I'm always hella iffy when I hear somebody white say the word ghetto. Anytime somebody white says ghetto, I'm, I'm kind of like, what do you mean by that? What are you talking about? Like, I'm looking at your face. I'm looking at your friends. I'm looking at how you've how, how long have I known you? How, who do I know you to be? Like when you say ghetto, that that sounds really racist. So redlining is first. Um, I want to talk about redlining because, so, every mortgage officer had a, a map in their office. Um, it had to be one of three um categories. It was either green line, yellow line, or red line. Green line said there were all white folks in this neighborhood. You can give them loans. Let them have it. Yellow line was their majority white, but they're it being infiltrated by minorities, by colored people who are Latinos, Middle East, black people, Native Americans, Asian people. I don't even know if they considered Asian American people in that specific instance. I don't know. But basically he's saying you can look at giving them loans, but just make sure you know who you're giving them to. And then the last one, red line, was where mostly black people lived, where minority colored people lived. Where it was like, no, they don't get any loans to improve their community. No business loans, no home loans, none of that. So that practice is still prevalent today where you see ghettos now. And that's why I feel a kind of way when I hear people say the word ghetto at any time. Just, it just makes me think that maybe they're probably racist or they have some racism in their subconscious that they don't know about. Uh, and it's whatever you want to, if it's innocent, cool, whatever, I don't care. Um, that's your hate to deal with. But this is something that I think about when I hear people say the word ghetto. And so the way, and I think a big part of the perception of the word ghetto comes from redlining, where you think, oh, ghetto, you're poor, you're broke, you're makeshift, you're doing these things together, like it's not name brand, shit like that. And um, I think that's important to recognize because ghettos just didn't happen because black people weren't were lazy and didn't have jobs and they just want to live off the government majority of people who live off the government white so it's not something that people just like didn't work hard enough to get a, the house that you have it's this shit was done to literally keep them in these places where it's impoverished where it's violence it's anguish it's proximity um when you look at the same people every day you know what i'm saying like that's that's systemically done. And that's another reason why shit is so unequal now is because people like after the World War II, uh, the U.S. gave GI bills to everybody but black people. Black people couldn't get GI bills to own their homes. They couldn't get GI bills to 
uh, go to college for free. You know what I'm saying? Like that wasn't offered to us. They were offered to white people. So systemically, now you've gone to college. Now you get to get a better job because of that. Now your kid, you have a kid. They get to go to better schools. They get to go to better colleges. They get better jobs, so on and so forth. This is a cycle, and it happens, and it happens, and it happens. This is why it's important to look at where it started at and the root problem and fix that so then we can move forward with the actual level playing field. Um, and then third, the war on drugs uh, with Jim Crow as well. You know what I'm saying? Um, started with Jim Crow. I actually read something the other day where they said the civil rights movement was actually the consumer rights movement. It wasn't nothing about civil rights. It was about making sure people can buy from white businesses. And I think that was true. Like when we were black only, white only, of course, the perception was creative. The black only was lower, lower tier, lower quality, lesser value. Um, so black people coincidentally wanted to buy the higher quality stuff. They wanted to buy the stuff white people bought because this is what was, was looked at. Like their identity was built in. We're a slave. They're, they're the nice stuff. So we want to get what they have. So we quit funding black businesses. We quit supporting black businesses. And now we're supporting white businesses. So our own economy of the black people is getting torn down and our own purchasing power and literacy of business is getting dwindled. It's dwindling because we want to buy white. You know what I'm saying? So it was literally just a consumer movement, a consumer rights movement. And I can't even say that I really think um, integration was a good thing. I, I can't say that with a good conscience. I can't say integration was a good thing. I think if integration was done with the actual intentions that America said they had when they did it, I think that would be a good thing. But the fact that America's always lied and always bullshit and shit like that, like, I can't say that was a good thing because it wasn't, I don't think it had the right intentions. If it did, we would have a lot different conversation about these things I've already talked about and going to talk about. So, um, moving on from Jim Crow, of course, white only, black only. Now everybody can buy everything. Now black businesses uh, dwindle and uh, consumerism goes skyrockets. You know what I'm saying because we have the biggest we have the the biggest African purchasing power in the world. Um, now, moving on to war on drugs, of course. Once integration happened, reconstruct a reconstruction happened where white people and black people who were poor was like, man, we the same. Like, there's nothing for us to be tripping about. Like, we we we're the same. And I think uh, that was noticed by um, America, which in comes the war on drugs. We got to create more discord. We got to create more separation. So the war on drugs comes in and it says, all these black people are doing crack. They're selling drugs. They're they're heroin. These are monsters. You got uh, people showing the people on, on the news about this person's on drugs and did this to this family and and all, all this like this it goes on now like fear mongering and the perception was created that black people are doing these drugs and so in comes these um, mass incarceration and mandatory minimums where if a, a person is caught with coke they have thirty years of mandatory minimum jail time and a person caught with the same amount of crack or I'm sorry a person is caught with crack. If a person was caught with crack, they're a minimum of 30 years in jail. But if a person's caught with that same amount of coke, it's like a slap on the wrist. You know what I'm saying? And those two drugs are for different types of people. Crack is in, in the poor. Coke is in the rich. You know what I'm saying? So make your own assumptions from that. But just the war on drugs, period, and how much incarceration that caused. And also looking at the studies there, if you read the New Jim Crow Law by Michelle Alexander, she talks about how, like, Crime was actually on the decline when that happened. Um, drug use was on the decline when that happened. They brought in the drugs from COINTELPRO. You can look; these are government documents, and they brought in coke and put it in these or crack and put it in these hoods, 
and then the rest of cats for using it and selling it. You know what I'm saying? So these are all orchestrated and conscious acts by the government against black people. You know what I'm saying? This is documented. Um, so these are all lead up to where we're at today. And if we look at the second verse where basically I'm just talking about how like even with the bullshit that America's done with us, like we've proven that we can still do what we need to do regardless. And even more so, our ancestors have fought so hard for us that it's disrespectful to them for us to act like we can't do any what we need to do um, with the today's playing field. Like, yeah, there's a lot that needs to be changed still. We should still be fighting for it. We should also be fighting with the understanding that I can do what I need to do regardless of all this bullshit, regardless of how things look, even as bad as it may look for most people. Um, and then also, uh, and with that, being able to control what we control and, and understand what we control, I think critical thinking about these things and thinking for ourselves is huge, which comes into the third verse um, where we talk about uh, Christianity and, racist, and racism's uh, role in that. You know what I'm saying? And um, looking at how slavery, I mean, as far as I know, slavery was a big part of an introduction to a lot, of, a lot of black people about Christianity. Like that's how a lot of them found out about Christianity was through slavery. And um, looking at, oh, you're supposed to be a slave. It's in the Bible. The God wants you to be a slave. Um, and then of course the white Jesus. Um, just the, all these different forms of propaganda that were put against these uh, uneducated slaves who, who they had no way of thinking for themselves or critiquing anything or really. Um, knowing what the truth was, it was just like that was a reality, you know, and that's that's this ushered in through generations and generations. And that's not for me to say that God's not real, that's just me saying that America and how they've taught God is not real to me. I don't think it's authentic, I don't think it's from the Creator, I don't think it's, I don't think it's. I don't follow it. You know, I don't identify myself as Christian. I don't identify myself as any church. Like I don't, I don't think it's of the creator. I think American Christianity, um, that's all I can speak for. Cause that's all I've experienced. I think it's, uh, like in the Bible, there's this big, um, movement that comes in the name of God. That is not of God. And I'm strongly every day. I strongly think more and more that that movement is Christianity, American Christianity that I know how I know it, where, you talk about these are the things that are important to you, but your actions show a lot different. And here are some examples where Jesus himself was uh, always around drunks, prostitutes. He was always uh, uh, poor people. He was chilling with them. Like he was kicking it with them. Like them was his people. Like he was, that's who he spent his time with. You know what I'm saying? He stood up against the state, stood against oppression because the state was oppressing people. He stood against that. He flipped tables in, in temples and churches because they wasn't real. Cause they wasn't really about what they was talking about. Like this is this is the creator. This is the the person that Christianity says that they're trying to be like. But you look at oppressive issues now. Where is the church in all these oppressive issues with, with police brutality, with uh with uh Muslims being targeted and and looked at as people who aren't citizens? Where is the church on these on these topics? Like why aren't they in the front lines and 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 going to these people and showing love and showing support and solidarity? That's not Christ-like to me. Um, in addition to that, the uh, the picture of white Jesus, like I was, I used to help with a, a youth group at a church a couple of years ago, and I was in worship one day, and I seen the picture of white Jesus, and I was just like, man, like if they're so unashamed that they're willing to inaccurately depict the Bible in this way to everybody, this unashamed, 
what else are they doing that they're ashamed about? And even furthermore, what are they doing that they're ashamed of? That's not accurate with the with the with the Bible or with the the word of the Creator. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that made me think, and I was like, man, I don't want to be associated with that. Like, that's blasphemous. You feel me? And there, we can even go further. And um, I'm not going to now because of time, but uh, that was the gist of like where I came from. Where it's like now you have Christians say. Like they look at Republicans as the the Christian party, the conservative, the Christian party, and it's like they say that they can't, um, they don't have money for health care. Where it's like people are poor who don't have health care, and you're, and people who have millions getting tax breaks, and you don't have money for it. Like one thing I've learned about America is that anything America cares about or think is important, they're gonna make money for, whether they take it from a different budget or they just literally make more money. They're going to find money for what they care about. So all the bullshit about it's not possible, it's impossible, all that is couldn't be further from the truth in my mind. It's like we're in the amount of debt where we, we literally can't pay back the amount of debt with the money in circulation right now. That's how much debt we're in. There's not enough money in circulation for us to pay back the debt. Like, And you mean to tell me that logic is real, that we can't do certain things? Like, where What does logic, what does reason play into America's decision-making? I'm saying like what where is that ever played? I'm saying so I don't hear that. And in addition to that, um we can look at matter of fact, a couple years ago, uh I, I used to have a job in um uh at, at where I was doing something different than what I'm doing now. And uh I was the only one in the office who I, I believe who who believed in, in the in the concept of God. This is back when I associated myself with religion and I was a Christian and I was indoctrinated and all that. You know what I'm saying? So uh they the the issue came up about the capital, the state capital not having the Ten Commandment statue on the ground because there was a devil worshiping group that wanted to put a devil worshiping statue there too for freedom of religion. So they asked me how I felt about it and I was like, Man, like I don't really care about the statue, like take it all take take all of this shit down, like I don't, I don't it could be either way but I mean they could take it all the way down or they could have all of them up like I don't I don't care they were like well I thought you believed in God why don't you care and I was like I mean I do that's why you know what I'm saying and they were like what are you talking about so I, I, I went further and was like these same politicians who are fighting for this statue to be on the capitol grounds are the same ones who are voting for capital punishment so you mean to tell me that you want to keep this statue on the ground, but you don't want to keep the actual commandment that the statue is telling you to do? Do not kill? Like, those those don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, I'd rather you follow the commandment, and then we look at the statue. Let's take care of the, the, the principles and, and, who, and, and what we're doing and the character before the appearance. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't rock with that, and I think that's, that's the case in a lot of Christianity um and what it what it says is just like yeah go to church feel good for that two or three hours and then the rest of the week be who you are come back and feel good about yourself like i i, I was told that 12 o'clock on a saturday afternoon is the most segregated time in the world or, or in america where everybody's uh, apart from each other you know, they're separated again you know what i'm saying so um that's where i was coming from on that um and of course at the end with the bob marley quote had to. It was his birthday last week, and also it's perfect for it. I don't stand for the black man's side. I don't stand for the white man's side. I stand for the creator's side. And understand when I say the creator, like, I don't mean a man in the sky. I don't mean, I, I there's not, I don't put a definition on it. It's just like, I don't know what, what the creator is. Like, I don't know how to identify the creator. I just know that there's a creator, and then 
the closer I get to the creator, the more discretion I have and the more self-awareness I have. And the more I'm able to, the more I'm able to like decipher from what's right and what's wrong. And it's not me at all. Like there's nothing about me in place here. Like it's all the creator. And uh, I understand that I don't know much. You know what I'm saying? And this whole journey started a few years ago when I just wanted to find the truth because a lot of stuff didn't add up. And I wasn't asking people because I don't want to ever get anybody else off their own journey, whatever that looks like, for my curiosity. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if people are ready for that. I don't know if people are going to respond well to that. I don't know if them taking that in is going to help them on their walk. So that's also when I realized I shouldn't give advice to people because I don't know shit. Like, for me to give advice to somebody else is, is most likely going to put them even further off the track that they're supposed to be going on because their journey is for them. Like, everything they need to do is going to be done by the creator. You know what I'm saying? Like, and also with Christians, when they witness a lot of the times, and I felt this myself when I was a Christian, where, like, I felt like I was responsible for bringing people to Jesus. Like, when I witnessed, I, you're coming to Jesus because of what I said to you. And I was taking ownership of that. And that's never the case. And I was, I, I would hound people. I would Bible them. And it's like, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, that, that was never my style. But like, that's what, that's what I was, I felt like I was supposed to do as a Christian. And, of course, with that logic, I'm putting myself in the control of it. And it's like, I don't have any control over anything. So now, like, if somebody asks for advice or if somebody asks how I feel about things, uh, I never tell anybody that this is what you should do. This is how you should feel. I just say, hey, this is my experience. This is what I did. This is how I feel. This is what it, this is how it works for me. If it's valuable for you, take it. Great. If not, don't. Cool. Like, I, I read in a book a couple of weeks ago, and I'll, I'll end with this. The, um, uh, the creator is responsible for applying a story to a person's life. Nobody else is responsibility to do that. Nobody else has the capability to do that. So removing myself from that whole equation was was big. Um but yeah, man, so man, this is uh this was probably the hardest podcast I've done. Um just took me a while. I had a lot of anxiety uh trying to do this just not because I was scared, but because I wanted to make sure I said the right things. I mentioned the right issues, my I said I, I had the right words for what I was talking about, I had the right tones. Um um and of course I'm mean, I'm not any creators not gonna be happy with their with their work. They know they could do better, but I'm 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 with it. I think this is effective. Um, and I, I really got to, got to say a lot of what I wanted to say, and I'll continue to clarify and and sharpen and and get better at, at articulating myself. Um, but I think things like this, I got I got to be better at articulating because these are conversations that are hard to have, that cause a lot of anxiety to have. But as you get better at these, as I get better at expressing myself and articulating my feelings and uh, using the right words and expressions and correcting myself and understanding when I'm wrong and looking at things from an objective point of view and being able to be effective in that, I think it'll be better for everybody and everybody should embrace that, that struggle of trying to talk about things like this and being better at it and getting better at it. So um, if you rock with this, of course, uh, review, leave uh, uh, the star ratings. Um, that helps my podcast a lot. Um, subscribe to my mailing list um, at jacobyryan.com. Shoot me a message on any social media site, and I'll shoot you the direct message for the mailing list. Um, make sure you listen to Hated on all streaming platforms. Make sure you watch the video on YouTube and Facebook. And um, video coming out Tuesday, tomorrow. Uh, thank y'all for listening. Uh, this is the More That I Know, The More That I Don't podcast. Peace.